my name is Bridget and I wanted to talk about uh, losing my first girlfriend when I was 17 and the process of dealing with that trauma while not actually being able to be open about it myself and the way that it's impacted me and I've, how I've lived my life since then. Like I said, I'm from New Jersey. I grew up in, uh, New Jersey is a very populated place, but uh, the town I grew up in is pretty small. It's like three square miles, 20,000 people. And it's like everybody has had their family live there for years, uh, with the exception of my family. But I, you know, I had a pretty okay childhood, all things considered. I have two younger sisters and both my parents are together. Um, so I, when I was younger, I think my parents would probably say that I had a OCD, like, mm -hmm. um, pretty intensely, but that kind of faded away. But as I got to like middle school, probably like eighth grade, I, I was coming to terms with my sexuality. Not, I mean, I still, I'm 26 now and I probably couldn't still even say for sure this is what my sexuality is. But when I was in eighth grade, I kind of had the first thoughts like, I don't think it really matters to me who you yeah. are, as long as you're someone that cares about me and I care about you and we can have that, you know, mutual connection with each other. Yeah. And it was pretty soon after that, that uh, I met Hope for the first time. I actually met her at a football game um, I was in band and she, she's three years old. She was three years older than me. So mm -hmm. she was a junior when I was in eighth grade, which is a pretty significant age difference, especially when you're that young. Yeah. But I was introduced to her through my sister's, or I'm sorry, my friend's sister. So I have, was at the point in time where I was going into high school. I had to make the decision, am I going to join marching band? And this was like, you know, 2010. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't like the cool thing to do necessarily, right. but I, I love playing my instrument. So I knew I wanted to keep going at it for, um, in some capacity, but my friend's sister said, why don't you come to this football game? There's somebody that I want to introduce you to. And, uh, she introduced me to hope and she hope was a, a very irreverent person. She, um, I don't know how like into astrology you guys are. But, I am. Okay. So <laughs> she was a Leo. Okay. like very bold out their personality. She would do the thing to make you laugh or do the thing to make you uncomfortable. She would make the joke that no one else would make. Um, and she was very like out loud with herself. But at the same time, she, if there was a place that she wasn't comfortable, she would either kind of like retreat into herself or be that extra kind of loud. Yeah. Um, and it was almost kind of the point where like you didn't exactly know who she was. Right. Because she was always putting on a bit of a front, but the, the normal person wouldn't necessarily know that. But right. we met that first time. I didn't really, you know, didn't really go anywhere because I was, you know, I was in middle school. I was just living my own life. But then when um, it was actually at a friend's birthday party, we we were reintroduced like six months later. And for me, like when I fall in love with somebody, it's kind of like, you know, right away. Yeah. I don't know if I would necessarily say I believe in like love at first sight, but I, I do believe that when you feel a connection with somebody Absolutely. right off the bat, you know, it's there. And it was the kind of thing that was hard to avoid. But mm. I also like, I felt like she felt it too, but mm. she came from uh, a home that was like very unaccepting of that sort of thing from a religious perspective. Mm. Um, lots of people in the town I lived in were Catholic, the, the big Catholic church uh, was like two blocks down from me. And my, my parents sent me to CCD, but they were never like, my parents were more hippies than they were Catholics. Yeah. So I, I always, 
uh, was supported in that sense, but I knew that she was not. Right. And she was not out. I was not out. But like over that summer when I was going into high school, she was going into her senior year. We spent like every day with each other, mm-hmm. just like walk, going on walks to the park. Um, having, so it was like, like after that party that you guys kind of like really hit it off. Yeah. I I don't know if she would say she felt it like right away, mm-hmm. but I definitely did. And I think we had like a, a mutual sense of we want to get to know each other better because mm-hmm. even, even if at that point I wasn't sure what exactly I was feeling, I knew that she was somebody I wanted to have in my life. And so I like every day I was like, how can how can I figure out a way to hang out with her? Mm-hmm. And over that summer, I, I got to know her. I got to know her family. And uh, she has a younger sister. Her, her name's Hope. Her younger sister's name is Faith. So I think you can you know, uh-huh. see where the religiousness is coming from yeah. in this family. Um, and her dad was like the very charismatic guy uh in the town like everybody knew who he was he participated in like 5k's in town like super involved in the church and it it was the kind of involvement not where like you go to church every day or you go to church every sunday and you do that but like they, they you know his daughters were going to be not altar boys because they're they weren't boys but you know you're going to go serve mass and you're going to go every week you are not allowed to skip and uh you know we had friends who were openly gay at the time and he would say I don't want you hanging around those people because I don't want them rubbing off on you Mm -hmm. and he would ask hope like if she was hanging out hanging with me a lot like yo you're you're not dating her right like you know I wouldn't be able to deal with that and she would say no and he would like literally drop to his knees and say thank god even though like that wasn't she wasn't telling the truth but yeah um and her mom I would certainly say was not as bad. She wasn't very friendly, but she, you kind of like knew what you were getting into when you first met her. Um, But her dad was very like behind closed doors, was um, an alcoholic and uh, was not afraid to say what he thought about his daughters to their faces. And, you know, Hope was 5'9 and like 120 pounds, like skinny girl. Mm -hmm. And so was, or so was her sister. Like, they're both small, but he would constantly say, like, you need to stop eating. Like, I don't think they fed them dinner, really. Yeah. Um, so they, she wasn't really cared for very mm-hmm. much by her immediate family. And I, over time, over that summer specifically, kind of got a feel for that and how it impacted her. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I was 14. I didn't know what I was dealing with. But at the same time, I was understanding that I had anxiety and depression. I saw this person who was going through the same thing. So when you have someone who you really care about and someone who understands what you're going through, that can be really impactful and important. Yeah. Um, but so that, that was the summer and I, um, like I was hurting myself and she eventually told me that she was too. And we'd promised each other that that wasn't something that we were going to do anymore. So we were very much like accountable to each other. Didn't always work out that way, but um, that's what we tried to do because yeah. we like, we needed somebody to talk to. And for her, I think it felt like she was the first, I was the first person she had a deep connection to. She had friends who were great, like, but I don't think she was really open with them the way she was with me. And I don't I don't necessarily know why she felt comfortable with me necessarily, but yeah. and especially considering the age difference, we didn't really know each other, but um I think when you know, you know sometimes. Yeah, and I was going to say too, I feel like the fact that even how you said 
you guys both kind of knew you were going through something similar and like you could lean on each other for that support. If you don't really have that outlet any with anyone else in your life, I think you cling to, yeah. you know, if you do find that with a person, I think it's really important and great to have because I feel like such a big thing is if you don't really feel understood and heard by people, you're not going to want to open up. So it seems like you both kind of were able to provide that for yeah, each other, absolutely. which is important. And she, she actually told me, um, maybe like a year or two later, she said that she said, I was planning on killing myself that summer. And then I met you. Wow. So, and I like, again, being 14, like you don't know how to handle that or hear that, but I was just like happy that I could be that person for her. And it wasn't until October of that year that we actually like kind of confronted our feelings and said to each other, well, you know, I, this is how I feel about you. And I know you feel the same way about me. And like, that was like, one of the happiest times that I had had. And we were such band nerds. So of course this happened like the day of our first band competition. Um, But being in high school and having a relationship where you're not only three years apart, but like in a small conservative town in a high school where everybody knows each other's business. Mm -hmm. um, And her mom worked in the high school. Okay. So like there was no way that we could really be open about who we were because even if we wanted to and we didn't care what other people said then I mean it would get back to her family and they would find out and even still to this day I don't for sure know if they knew yeah because that's what I was going to ask you was did you feel like you had to hide oh absolutely yeah we um something I'm really grateful for is that I still uh our my freshman year her senior year we wrote each other notes every day mm-hmm. and I still have all of them oh that's amazing yeah that's so I I originally had all of the ones that she wrote to me and then after she passed away her parents actually gave me all of the ones I sent to her well that was nice yeah so but like they they've never like openly at least to me acknowledged mm-hmm. that this was part of their daughter right. but when you're when you're in high school and like things changed a lot like from 2010 to 2015 in terms of like acceptance like hugely um but i you know i was reading through some of these notes and it's like every other day we were writing to each other about like well what is this person saying about us now like i can't even like give you a hug in the hallway without people like trying to uh say things about us and I don't know if it was so much like self-conscious on my part that I was thinking all of these people were talking about us or if they actually were. Um, I think it was probably a mixture of both. But yeah, and the thing too is I think in high school, as you said, small town, big town, no matter what, unfortunately, part of it is people are just, they're constantly talking. Oh, yeah. And there's constantly rumors and and whatever else. And I feel like even even the jokes that people make, like even if you were just friends, but you did decide to hug every day. There's still Mm -hmm. a chance people would make comments. So it's like, I think it's a very difficult place to be, especially when your fam, like you're not even really like sure within your own family. And like you haven't, like you said, because you didn't come out yet, right? Like this is when, right. So it's like, even within yourself, it's like, you don't know, but then you can't even really feel like you can be yourself in your school or anywhere, which really oh, is unfortunate. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and when you're that age, like psychologically, you want peer validation. Yeah. So it's like you're constantly like hiding behind this mask, like 24 mm-hmm. seven. And it's like, even though you're still going about your, maybe your daily routine or your activities or your life, it's like, it's a lot. It's straining to feel like you're just, you can't ever really just like let down that wall yeah. and just feel like accepted in yourself and just happy. Being everybody high should school be happy. is so hard. Yeah. And, you know, being a high school teacher, I see what they go through every day. And I still, like, feel such empathy for 
what kids are going through. Mm -hmm. And I, I often think about like myself at that age and what, what could have I used from an adult in my life? Because my parents were great, but in many other adults in my life, like really failed me right. at that time. Um, but so that, that first year we, um, we were very much like closeted, did not okay. really tell many of our friends at all, but things actually got a lot better once she graduated and left mm -hmm. high school. Um, and like I said, this 2010 to 2015, like this radical shift between like acceptance of people who were gay or trans, uh, really shifted a lot, at least from like where I was living. Right. But being in a churchy town, uh, it was still like there were like maybe one or two gay kids in each grade, but no one to my knowledge anyway, was actually openly dating somebody. Okay. So that was kind of like who that role out I played. Right. Um, but after she graduated, like I, I was still, I actually felt like I could be more myself mm -hmm. because it's not like I had to worry about like what her mom was seeing and what kind of right. judgments she would make about her daughter based off of that. So like, I had like a, a rainbow belt from Spencer's that I would like wear with my like knee length khaki shorts. And I called it like my lesbian outfit uh -huh. and with a Batman t-shirt too. So it was very like, <laughs> um, I, I embraced a lot of who I was. And I think because she was in college, she still, she commuted, yeah. but she still like met other people and kind of broadened her horizons. And uh, when I saw her embrace her queerness, that was like the happiest I saw her. Oh, so I really, uh, I think leaving that town, at least in some capacity, be, was really good for her. Yeah. And I think it was what like really helped me cope after everything happened too, was mm -hmm. actually going somewhere else because right. the toxic environment that we were in, um, it's like when you, when you go home and you're surrounded by hate and you go to school and you're surrounded by hate, like how are you not supposed to ingrain some of that in yourself, Absolutely. especially when the hate is like being targeted towards you. Um, so after after she left high school, things got a lot better for both of us, but it, it was probably around, and it was like a high school relationship, so I'm not going to say it was the most healthy mm -hmm. uh, thing More out mature. there. Yeah, <laughs> um, so young. But I was really happy to go through my adolescence with her because um, she taught me a lot about being who I am and not being apologetic and uh, saying the thing that's on your mind because that's very much who she was. Um, and I... Even now, I try to like live my life in a way that I think would honor her and mm -hmm. make her um, proud of, of yeah. like, it's not like necessarily I'm living both of our lives for us, but I always like, there's that line, I don't know how well you know Wicked, but there's that like line that uh, you're always going to be a handprint on my heart. And that was like our, our song. So oh. I think about that a lot. So I try to live my life in a way that I think she would have really liked to live hers. Yeah, absolutely. If she had the chance. Um, so we were together for almost three years. And it was the summer of 2014 when I was, I was going into my senior year of high school. And I was, I remember the first time I was like, I don't necessarily know if this relationship is something I want to continue. And I was like, it was over that summer. I was on vacation, like in San Francisco. I have this very clear memory um, of having that thought, but I, I didn't really want to let that go because she still, me she meant a lot to me. It was kind of like, I feel myself falling out of being in love with her, but I still like truly care about this person. And that's, this is hard to go through when you're 17 and like trying to recognize those feelings. I don't want to lose her as a friend because she means a lot to me. But like, how are you supposed to go through a breakup after three years, not 
having, you know, really hard feelings attached to that. But um, one of my, like, I guess you could say dirty little secrets is that I broke up with her over a text which after three years, like you should not do, but right. um, it happens. It, yeah, we were we were arguing about something, and she was like, "Well, do you just like not want to be with me anymore?" And I was like, "Yeah, I kind of don't." Mm-hmm. So I was actually on my way to visit um, my college that I was going to, and I, I was with my parents, and I didn't tell them. Um, so I had this like whole weekend of just like being miserable, and right. I, I kept telling myself like, "You have to tell, you have to tell them that." this relationship is over before you get home. And I had like pushed it off so much that as soon as like my parents parked in our, in our, uh, by our garage, when I got home, I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, we just broke up. And my parents were like, oh my God, like, are you okay? And, uh, my parents were kind of, they cared for her too. Um, in a way, like she spent a lot of time at our house. My sisters really got to know her, um, because, you know, her parents weren't going to, do that. I, I was very rarely even over at their house, like just as a friend. So uh, there was one time she worked in a bagel store and she got like a, a really bad grease burn on her leg. And after work, she came over to my house to have my parents help her mm-hmm. with it rather than like she thought her parents would be mad at her for right. getting hurt at work. So she came over to my house and uh, had us try to help her out with that. So when I broke up with her, I it was kind of like I I was sever. I felt like I was severing off a lot of things for her, like because her my friends became her friends, my family like sort of became her family. So, but I I couldn't keep going on with this relationship if I wasn't feeling it myself because that would that wouldn't be fair to either of us. Right. So, um, she was obviously really upset. Um, we saw each other in person a couple times, um, back and forth like during between the month that we broke up and the month that she passed away. Um, But there there was one time like my, my hometown does like a a celebration, like a, you know, Hawthorne day. So Mm -hmm. like everyone comes to like the field down downtown and there's fireworks and celebrations and all that sort of thing. And that was in like the end of September. And we went to uh, not together, but like we had gone to a friend's house because we know we were all still friends with the same people. And we lived on like, adjacent streets from each other so I, I had just gotten my driver's license and she had always driven me around so I was like oh I'll, I'll drive you home and I was sitting with her in the uh in my car parked in front of her house and she was just like sobbing because her mental health had been decreasing quite mm-hmm. a bit and I think anybody who deals with depression or something like that will say sometimes it, it goes in waves sometimes you'll have a couple months where you're fine yeah but other times you'll have a couple months where like you really feel like the world is ending and I think it was unfortunate that like my falling out of love with her coincided with like a really bad Time. mental health spell for her and she And she was talking about things and saying that she wanted to, she missed me and wanted to get back together. And I just like, I can't do that because it's not fair to either of us. And she's, she had told me um, that she wanted to go walk into the woods and never come back. Mm -hmm. And like, that was the first time I felt like, like this might actually happen. And I was really scared, but I just said like, I, I was, she was 20. Like she's still living with her parents who are hateful, homophobic people. Like, it's not like if I told them, I think your daughter's in serious trouble, like that would possibly be outing her and putting her in a really uncomfortable situation. Like what, what were they going to do to help? Right. What was anybody going to do to help? 
So, and, and you don't even think that they knew for those three years that you guys were together? No. Okay. I mean... But your parents were fully aware. Yes. Okay. Um, and it's... With them, I... It, like... It's like, were you not paying attention? Right. Were you, did you see it and just chose to not acknowledge it? But um, also, it's just... It's so sad because... Like I kind of said before, to me, happiness is like the most important thing. And and you would think that for your child, if something or someone makes them happy, that that should be all that matters. So it's like even the fact that they just, I guess, didn't even care enough to acknowledge like her happiness around you or with yeah. you. It's like it's sad. It's horrible. Yeah. I I think they they had a very specific ideas to what they wanted out of their children. Yeah. And I hope this doesn't sound harsh, but if you're not going to let your kid be who they are, then like, why should you have kids to begin with? And like, if you're not going to embrace your child for who they are, then like, are you really fit to be a parent? I agree. Yeah. Um, So after that, I was like, I was worried. Like, what do I do? She's not in school. I can't contact like a social worker or like a a psychologist to help talk to her. I can't like call 911 because she will be taken away in an ambulance. And how do you explain that to yeah. um, her family? I were didn't. Were you guys still, sorry to interrupt you. Were you guys ahead. still in contact a lot? Like with, yeah. on the phone? And yeah. Stuff like that? Okay. We were, we texted still like every day. Okay. Um, because I care, I, I cared so much about her right. and I knew she was struggling and I wanted to, it was a really hard line to balance. And I will say sometimes I didn't do the best job. Like she would be texting me saying she's going through a really hard time. And I would just like, I can't deal with it right now because I was out living my life, having my senior year, like trying to enjoy and move on and live your own life. Yeah. Yeah, It's hard. And I wanted her to do the same, but I I just don't think she was mentally in a place where she could do that. Mm -hmm. So I had uh, bought her a pair of Converse uh as a late birthday present that i'd given to her and she said they didn't fit so after school one on this day i was gonna go pick them up so i could exchange them for the correct size and this was 2014 so people were not calling it uh indigenous people's day but it was columbus day and we had a half day at school and we had made this plan and i remember uh the last thing i had texted to her was like i really care about you and then that was it Um, and I had gym that day. I was outside playing like flag football or something. And, uh, I saw an ambulance driving by and like, there was just like something in me that had a bad feeling about that. Um, but the day went on and I went to go get, uh, food with some of my friends after school. And I was texting her like, Hey, are you there? No response, which was unusual. Um, and this town was small, so we got, like this place where we were getting food, I actually also had a part-time job at, and it was like literally a quarter of a mile down the street from both of our houses. So mm-hmm. I I'd called her and there was no answer. So I drove down the street to her house and I made the right turn onto her street and I saw like ambulance lights and um, a bunch of people gathered outside, like her neighbors. And I got, I got out of the car and just started walking up towards the house. And her dad actually came out and said, oh, thanks. Thank God you're here. You heard. And I said, no, I didn't. Like what happened? And he said, uh, Hope killed herself. And I, he must've thought I knew already. I don't know how, but like he, uh, he actually like took me and hugged me. Mm-hmm. And at that point, like, I remember the only thing I could like get out of my mouth was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I need to go home right now because I did not want to be around her family. I yeah. couldn't. Um, and, you know, knowing that she 
knew I was going to be coming over that day. Like, did she, I always, I had this thought, like, did she want me to find her? Like, was this, and it was exactly a month after we broke up. I broke up with her on September 13th and she committed suicide on October 13th. So, um, that was like the first inkling of like, oh, this feels like my fault. Mm-hmm. And when you're 17, again, and you're you're dealing with that, where else does your mind go when right. you felt like and knew that you were the one person who maybe could have done something to talk her out of it or to like, what, could I have said something else? And I, I remember the night before we were texting with each other and I told her like, I really love you and I care about you. And I'm I'm very glad I did that because at least she... I hope she passed away knowing that. Mm-hmm. But um, I was like, I need to go home. I could not stay around her family. Um, I didn't know if her body was still in the house. Like that was something I could not right. mentally deal with. And it was actually um, really strange. It was a Monday, but my uh, my dad's dad and his sister were in town because they were supposed to be going to a wedding. And uh, her neighbor walked me home. To my to my parents' house, and I like don't remember that walk at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even remember what this guy, her neighbor, looked like because I was just in like such a state of shock. And I got home, and my dad opened the door, and I was like there. I wasn't crying yet. I was still in like the state of shock. And he was like, "What is going on?" And my and her neighbor said, um, "Hope killed herself." And like that was when I broke down. Was when mm-hmm. I was with my family and my my dad's mom committed suicide when he was 15 so it, it kind of felt like a little surreal yeah in that way um but my dad just like took me and hugged me and like like we both started just like crying and my mom had come down the stairs after you know getting ready to go to this wedding um that they didn't end up going to obviously right. um but that that day was like a very surreal moment and i think we'll probably stay one of the worst days of my life for a really long time mm-hmm. and there's still a part of me like who I don't want to say a part of me like died that day but there's part of me inside that's still like that 17 year old girl like frozen in time um because every everything in my life changed after that Um, it's also it's you're very young so I think it like it's already traumatic but like you said being that age and knowing the impact you both had on each other I think only makes it that much harder oh it was so hard you know yeah and like kind of one by one, like my friends started to hear, like my dad called my best friend and told her and she came over. And I'm, I'm not quite sure how like other than that, how news started to like trickle out to people. But um, I had a bunch of friends like come over to my house and it, it would go from like us all crying together because we couldn't believe that this was real and that it was happening to like laughing, like thinking about like all of the good memories we had together. And that was really cathartic. And I think um, leaning on people was really what got me through that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because like, honestly, for like at least six months afterwards, I was living inside my own head Mm -hmm. and I couldn't get out of it. And that was really, it was tough like to, you know, on, on one hand, there's people saying, well, like, you couldn't have known like this. She made this choice herself. But then on the other side, well, like we need to focus on suicide prevention and like what could we have done differently? And I was so angry that it, I was said if people just pay attention to who she was as a person, they would have seen this coming. But I was yeah. the person who was closest. So like it, it felt like it was really falling on me. And I remember like at her funeral, the priest was talking about how like this was such a 
tragic accident. And I was like, this is not an accident. This mm-hmm. was uh, a culmination of years of abuse and negligence. Uh, yeah, yeah, really serious emotional negligence, some physical as well. But And that's what I was going to say, too, is, you know, it's great that she had you and your support, but sometimes it's not enough. Oh, you know what no. I mean? And it's like, I think, too, if she was in a place where she felt like in her own home, she couldn't even be herself. And like, it was just probably this constant, like I said, that mask feeling. It's like, it. it's so sad and it's horrible. It's tiring. Yeah. And it it's demoralizing, mm-hmm. like trying to hide who you are. And, and even, you know, if your parents don't know that that's who you are and they still will say really demeaning things. Like her parents were so hateful. I had to teach her that using the N word was a bad thing mm-hmm. because it was a word that, you know, she heard at home a lot. Yeah. In the 2010s, which, so just as an example of uh, the environment she was in. Right. But I, uh, the next day, I, sl- I was in bed till 5 p.m. I, sl- I slept in my parents' bed for the next month because my parents were so worried about me. And I can, I mean, I'm not a parent, but I'm older now. And I just like trying to think about taking care of a child who is going through this must have been so hard for them. It's scary, yeah. Yeah. And um, I, you know, she had, I think the night before she had told me that like, you know, she wanted to die. And I, I had said to her, like, if you do this, then I will too. And I didn't, but I think her parents probably saw that in her texts and told my parents because obviously they didn't want anything bad happening to me. Um, So my parents were really, really concerned about me. They brought me to a a psychologist like right away. Um, But it was still so fresh. Like I couldn't even get words out to talk about what, what I was going through. But um, that third uh, Tuesday, we had band practice and I just wanted to be with the people who I knew would comfort me. And so I had gone to band practice and sat with my my little like 40 piece band. And, you know, at that point, I was like the leader of the band. All of these like little freshmen and sophomores were looking up to me and I was just like standing there sobbing. And I and they all were, too, because even if they didn't know her, she would always come around to the football game. She was like uh, her sister w- had been in the band recently, mm-hmm. um, and it's a small town, so we know each other. And even when someone sees you going through something hard, it's difficult for you to not feel that too, especially when the emotions are so raw and so real. Yeah, like I was, you know, my sisters were fourteen and eleven, and they knew her too because she spent so much time at our house, and they were going through it too. And to watch their older sister like have the worst time. Right. that she's ever felt i i i'm sure that was also tough for them absolutely and like you know my friends sisters and like so many people were impacted by this but i felt like i was at the center like kind of like in the middle of a hurricane just like having everybody have their eyes on me mm-hmm. and you know when i finally went back to school i felt like i was the trauma girl you know i had to drop one of my classes because i had missed too much work but um going back a little bit there was a she that was she died on a Monday and that Wednesday there was like a little vigil at the church and they took out like a bunch of these little tea lights and lit them and spelled out hope and it was really it was really beautiful and I that was the first time I saw her family since then I didn't really talk to her but I saw her sister who was wearing her varsity jacket and I we kind of just hugged each other and cried but I didn't really talk to them other than that um 
and the uh she was really involved in the youth group and like when she was senior and i was a freshman we had gone on a retreat and um i don't really remember what the theme of the retreat was but they like picked out a uh they were trying to pick out a song to like kind of you know ground everyone and it was um hope chose the song it was called bless the broken road by the rascal flats i don't know if you're familiar with Mm -hmm. that song at all but she chose it and she said this song reminds me of you and then um the youth group leader at this vigil like came out and put the song on Mm -hmm. and like started playing it and like that was kind of a moment where um it really felt like well everyone can mourn this together but i felt like there was like a deeper part of me that wasn't allowed to mourn what was happening because I couldn't participate in any kind of like the close family mourning because they didn't know that I was in love with her for three years um, at the at the funeral. Um, sure, they put a, a black scarf on her body to hide the marks on her neck. Um, and so everyone else in her family also wore these black scarves, um, but I couldn't have one. Yeah. And like that, even though that's like something small and symbolic, it's still like... I felt like I was being outcasted, even though. Do you think that they, like, at all knew the impact that you had on her? Like, do you think that they, deep down, they knew how close you guys were? I think so. Okay. But. But other than, other than that, like, you didn't ever really have much closure with the family. Like, you guys never never really, no. So, um, that Thursday was the wake. And, um, I, I. I did not really talk to her family much at all, mm-hmm. but I I walked into the wake and there was like a huge line out the door. Um, but my mom was like, we just need to get you inside so you can like take a deep breath and not have to like, you know, have all this tension build up. And um, I remember like walking in and seeing her body and like that, I think that may have actually been the hardest moment. I like had a complete mental breakdown in the funeral home like and it was actually right in front of my math teacher because she was also there um but her and my mom like picked me up off of the ground and like put me in a chair because I was like hyperventilating my cortisol levels were like through the roof and like that remains a very um traumatic memory specifically for me like living with PTSD now I have a lot of nightmares specifically about like her body showing up in my bed or like taking her casket out of the earth and like having to look at this corpse. Um, And I think a lot of it kind of circles back to that because I, you know, I had heard that she passed away. I knew it, I was coping with that, but I hadn't actually seen it until that point. Um, So that was really, really tough for me. Um, But even like, I don't, I honestly don't even remember talking to her family at the funeral Mm -hmm. um, because like, what was I going to say to them? Yeah. And it's just, it's just so unfortunate because I feel like it just goes to show how little they really knew her. Yeah. I, I don't you know. I don't think they really knew her at all. No. I think they knew what they thought they wanted to see. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how they really are dealing with it still because right. I mean and I I try not to be too judgmental about them because at the end of the day they all they lost their daughter which is like one of the worst things that you can go through in life but I'm also angry as you should be and the thing is is like everyone in this life 
and in this world is going to have their own opinions and everybody's entitled to their own opinions and beliefs. But at the end of the day, we're all human. And like I said before, everyone deserves happiness and everyone deserves to feel like they can be themselves. And if you don't agree with it, good, don't, who cares? But like, that's your life. Yes. And you should just, everyone should just always respect each other and no one should ever feel like they can't be themselves because I mean, just imagine, to imagine how trapped and like you said, tiring one must feel to never feel like they can just be themselves. It's like, it's horrible. And I think that that is, that is why there's so many suicides and people that have mental illness and that are so sad because they don't even feel like they can really be them. It, like it feels easier to just not be here than to like keep hiding, which is horrible. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's like religion, whatever, like I think it can be a great thing. But I think that when it comes to like shunning someone and making them just feel like they aren't accepted, how is that? A, how is that religion? It's not. It's right. I mean, like, I've never understood that. I, I don't either, especially like using religion as a tool for ostracizing others yeah. and for hatred. Like isn't I'm not going to say all religions, but aren't like most religions about like, you know, Acceptance treating each and, other with yeah, kindness and equally. Right. And that's just like not the kind of vibe I got from them. And at I, all. unfortunately, I feel like a lot of people don't because it's one of those things that it's like I feel like some people are either so deep into their religion or so whatever it might be that their these beliefs and these thoughts are stronger and hold more value than what a human being is feeling yeah it's horrible it really i think can warp people's reality sometimes and maybe maybe they truly thought they were doing what was best for them right and like that might even be more sad yeah i it's but it's hard to say there there was one time about like a month after um she passed away her parents said do you want to come with us to her college because they were doing like a little vigil type thing and I went and they brought me back to their house afterwards and I was just like so uncomfortable the whole time because again like I I didn't know they knew I was with her sister who her sister knew but like I'm I'm, I doubt she had said anything to her parents about it so like it was just so tense and uncomfortable but afterwards they gave me like some of her stuff including those letters and there was a notebook that they gave me that was blank but it just had my name with a heart in it and i'm like how do you look at that and not know right or or maybe you do and you just choose to not say anything or acknowledge it which is um or not want to believe it yeah they just yeah but like at that point like she's gone like you can maybe honor who she was and maybe try to celebrate that but Mm -hmm. i i I don't know where they're at right now. And I don't really, I don't feel the need to know because they, like even just the thought of like running into them in my hometown is like scary for me. And you know, that's the thing too. It's like, what kind of closure would you even really need with them? Like, it's not like they mattered or had any type of impact. Like you said, it seems like obviously your parents were involved, you know, with you guys and your relationship and helped her a lot. But like, it's not like they were like that. So it's like, what does it even matter? It, yeah, it yeah. doesn't. Because I don't. It's unfortunate. I, mean, I don't. But. I think about like what she would want. And I don't yeah. know if she would really want the people who caused her so much pain to also be causing me that kind of pain. Because mm-hmm. I would hope at the end of the day, part of the reason she did that was so she could be free mm-hmm. and be herself. And I mean, I, I tell like my, my high schoolers all the time, like to be yourself, because I think that is some really powerful advice. And that's the only way that you're actually truly going to be happy. And to find yourself too. Like if you, if you aren't willing to just accept who you are and, and be free and open and be yourself, you're never going to really know yourself. 
And if you don't know yourself, then you're just confused and you're trapped. Yeah. You know? So that you were in your senior year at mm-hmm. that time, right? Yeah. And then it, what, when you went to college, is that when you kind of, is that when you moved away? Yes. From your hometown? Okay. I, I would say that first year was really tough. Mm-hmm. Like, and you were home that whole time, right? You finished yes. out your senior year. I did. Okay. Yeah. I, I did, um, uh, like my, again, my parents had no idea what to do with me. Right. I had no idea what to do with myself. They, um, a, a week after she had passed away, we had had the funeral and everything. Um, they took me to see a psychiatrist and that psychiatrist recommended that I go to the hospital, which I did. Cause I was like, I was so apathetic. Like I felt like I was dissociating. Like I was just like, whatever. I, I have no will to live myself right now. So I'll just do whatever mm-hmm. it is that you want me to do. And hopefully it'll help me get better. But I went to the emergency room and from there they transferred me to an inpatient facility. And I don't want to like shit talk inpatient facilities in general, but like that was a whole other traumatizing moment for me because they told my parents, you can take her out whenever you want. You know, I had no experience at an inpatient facility. My parents didn't really know, Um, but they they said you can take her out if you don't feel like this is right for her. Yeah. And so I, I spent a day at this place and... It was a lot of kids who were younger than me. Like I, I had like met an 11 year old who was like dealing cocaine mm-hmm. and like a lot of kids who had anger issues, but I wasn't allowed to, t- I was allowed to talk to my parents for about five minutes a day. But other than that, I was in isolation from my support system. And it, I would see a doctor for about 10 minutes in the morning, tell them why I was there. Um, and they said, okay, we'll see you tomorrow. Like, hopefully you're doing better. We, we did some like art therapy and, uh, stuff like that, but I couldn't go outside. I had no fresh air. I was cut off from people who could actually understand what I was going through. Yeah. And the thing about being there is that like, you kind of have to face your trauma all the time. Mm-hmm. So people were always all like, like, oh, what are you in for? And I was always like, well, my girlfriend killed herself. And I would just say that over and over again to the point where it felt numb to me. Right. So that first day I was there, we had um my parents could like come in and like for a a little visiting hour. And I was like, I need to get out of here. Like, I'm glad that I tried it so I could hopefully get better. But this is just not what, this is not the environment I need for that. That is not the place to heal. No, absolutely not. Um, So my parents said, we want to, we want to take her. And they said, no, you can't. So they said, we need to have an independent psychiatrist come and evaluate her if you want to take her out against doctor orders. And they said the latest this will happen is 48 hours from now. And 48 hours had passed and still no one had come to evaluate me. And at this point, this was a Thursday. And my like last high school football game was that Friday. And it was like the one thing I was looking forward to. Like, I want to go to this game because it is like one of the only sources of joy I know that I have in my life right now. And I was really afraid that I wasn't going to have that. And it might sound like silly thinking back on it, but it was like, that was where so much of my happiness had come from for a long time. And the thought of missing out on that was really hard. But my my dad said he almost called the police to try to get get me out of there because this 48 hour window had passed and my parents were separated from their child after Mm -hmm. they had just gone something gone through something really traumatic like I'm sure they were freaking out too but yeah it's like you're stuck in there yeah eventually you went in on your own right yeah Yeah, and we chose like Mm -hmm. I wasn't like I was involuntarily committed right and you know honestly like it's probably a good thing that I was with like I was about to turn 18 but because mm-hmm. I was still 17 I was with the kids but like if I wasn't I would be in like the normal adult yeah. ward with like 
people who are like um like going through drug treatments and like had had i'm sure really rough Mm -hmm. times and like obviously those people need to heal but me being in that environment would not have been good for me but i did eventually get out and i had that um that time you know i was able to go to school that was my first day back at school in like Mm -hmm. two weeks but even like i said before just have it feeling like everybody's eyes were on you being like the trauma girl was really hard and um when i when i got back to school it was very clear to both me and my friends that they were so ill-equipped when trying to deal with something like this i no social worker no school counselor no psychologist talked to me at all and if you miss two weeks of school for any reason i feel like somebody should like catch up with you and see what's going on especially like now from an educator's point of view even teachers yeah i'm like how did you like Mm -hmm. nothing and this and they all knew they all knew hope like they knew what happened and no one did anything to try to help integrate me back into school to see how I was doing. And at the time that wasn't really on my mind, but thinking back, I I really think that that school and the town failed me. Mm-hmm. They failed her big time, but they also failed me afterwards. And I, I hope that things are better at that school now. Mm-hmm. I really do. But they were not good when I was there. I had one teacher. It was actually my math teacher who mm-hmm. had seen me with the breakdown she she said Bridget I need you to come stay after school because you're you've been falling behind in class and Mm -hmm. we need to catch things up and I said okay and I went to see her after school and she's like we're not talking about math I want to know how you're doing so she kind of like tricked me into coming to talk to her but I still she was other than my parents the one adult in my life who felt the need to make sure I was okay and I still really appreciate that and I think she's like one of the reasons I decided to become a teacher. Oh, and I, I was terrible at math. I mm-hmm. felt so bad because I, you know, she tried so hard to help me be a good student, but yeah. I was just not, especially that year was not mm-hmm. happening. But she really cared about her students uh, from a deep level. And I, mm-hmm. I, like, looking back, I really appreciated that. Yeah. Um, but, like, my friend group really struggled. Um, a, couple, a couple of people who I was friends with, I'm sure, I think our friendships would have um, ended Mm-hmm. At some point, had this not happened, but you know, when a group of friends who are 17 years old are rocked with this sort of thing, it can um, like show tensions that were already there. It can. I was say, uh, it puts stuff into perspective. Oh yeah, too. and uh, so like we had lost a couple of friends, and um, like it was hard for all of us. Like we just did not, we didn't know what we were doing, and you know, having to make decisions about college, taking the SATs, like all of this at the same time is going through something that no one should ever have to go through. Mm-hmm. And like when you're when your brains aren't fully developed until you're 25, like this is you know molding and shaping every part of you. Absolutely. So um, my senior year was terrible. Everyone like I hear not everyone, but I hear a lot of people talk about how like. You know, they had so much fun their senior year and I just like think about my senior year and it was terrible. I couldn't wait to leave because like every day was just a reminder of what what I had gone through. And there was one time specifically like the week before prom, um, it was all like the, the don't drink and drive stuff. Like they put like a, a wrecked car out on the front of the yeah. school, like to be like, you don't want this to be you. But for some reason, they thought it was appropriate to... Um, get everyone in the senior class in the auditorium to show them this video it was like a it was like a fake home movie almost of like these kids at a party like 
you know, getting drunk and then, oh, we need more alcohol. So we're going to go out. And then you watch these kids get in a car crash. And I was sitting next to my friend Juliana and like they had, you know, they were, there was a scene where they were in the hospital and, uh, you know, there was blood everywhere and the body, like you hear the heart monitor just stop. And at that moment, it like, it brought me back to seeing her body and I, I couldn't do it. I like fainted in front of my entire graduating class. So it was like terrible Mm -hmm. because if, even if before people weren't looking at me and thinking about immediately what I had been going through, they were now, at least in my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. So I could not wait to get out of there. Right. But even like after I graduated, that summer was really terrible because I was about to go away from school to school. I didn't know if that was going to be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I was in a relationship with somebody else mm-hmm. at this point in time. And um, he really helped me get through a lot of this because he didn't really know her at all. But I think I needed that. Obviously, I had like my friends to lean on, but they were all also going through it too. So having an outside person was really helpful. But that, you know, that relationship also ended during that time. And that was hard for me, like losing the person who I felt could help me out the most in that sense. And like time has really helped. I would not say it, it has helped me get over it, but it has helped give me perspective for sure. Um. And even if you had like asked me a year ago, I probably would have said no. But like looking back on this time right now, like I probably I wanted to kill myself, too. Um, I had like a plan in my head. I was like and, you know, that's what ideation is. But even like it took me eight years, almost nine years afterwards to actually like come to that realization. Like I was in a really bad place. So it was like the combination of, you know, hiding who we were not being able to mourn who she was dealing with that whole after trauma effect like i all of that and at such a young age too yeah and i i probably still don't know all of how it has affected me long term right and that that's the thing too is i don't think we really ever know fully i think that like you said randomly as time goes on and as as you get older and you experience new things you kind of on your own see here and there like wow like that might have affected me in this way or maybe I act this way because of of this or, you know, and I think that everyone copes and heals differently, but I don't ever think there's an end of healing. Like I think that it gets, I don't want to say easier, but you start, you push through it a little bit more and you, of course, every day you heal a little bit more, but mm-hmm. I don't, th- I mean, that's all, like you said, it's always going to be with you. Like there's always a part of you that's still frozen in that time. But, yeah. you know, at the same time, I feel like, the fact that you, like you said, there were so many other moving parts to it, like the fact that you couldn't even really mourn who she was and have that, I guess, proper grievance with the family. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it, it's really, it's a lot on one it, person. It's, it's so, it's like hard to just say this is what I went through. Right. Because there's, exactly. There's like, so there's many so many to it. Move, like you said, yeah. moving parts to it and coming to terms with all of those little mm-hmm. moving parts. Um, has taken time and you know sometimes the you know the anniversary of her death will come around and I'm like a mess and other times I'm okay like right. I will I will have you know and it'll probably always be like that oh you yeah. just don't know it depends and like learning the things that really have triggered me mm-hmm. to like um, like the honestly like the physical part of it is really terrible I don't think a lot of people really talk about the physical aspects of PTSD but like 
the things that like get your heart pounding or like make you start dissociating, like having, having time to recognize what those are and take steps to minimize those has been really helpful. Like Mm -hmm. the first nice day of fall sucks for me. And I loved fall before, like the, the leaves changing are so pretty, but like the day we buried her was like the most gorgeous fall day ever. Mm -hmm. And now, like, I feel like this, not like the whole season is ruined because that's a little dramatic, but, but like, it reminds you it, of, yeah. there's the the feeling in the air or the smell of the leaves, like sunflowers, because there were so many sunflowers at yeah. her funeral. Like, that smell um, is too much for me sometimes. Right. And all of that can feel really trivial um, when you take them as individual instances. But it took me, like, five years to realize, like, I I'm really, like, going through something this trauma has impacted my brain it's impacted who i am in a way that i need to take steps to deal with and i had gone to therapy for like that year afterwards and i do think that that really helped but even just like doing some introspection about who i am Mm -hmm. and learning about those things those parts of me that need that extra healing or uh, like if something happens in my life that reminds me of what's going on. I know the things that I need to do now to take care of myself. And I think a lot about how, like I was actually talking to my friends the other day and they were saying, well, if she was still alive, we don't even know if we would still be friends with her. Like, but now knowing that like I am in some ways like trying to live life for her, um, I try to be happy. And it's so, it's so easy to like think about her and all of this and be sad and upset but I have to choose sometimes to remember that we had so many good times together and how bold and crazy of a person she was there was um I wasn't here for I wasn't like present for this but there was one time at lunch uh my friend Julia had like had lunch with her and they sat with this uh, guy who was um a pain in the ass and I don't even know like what kind of argument was going on but Julia and this guy were having an argument about something and Hope had like a can of purple hairspray in her bag and she just sprayed him in the face with this hairspray <laughs> like she would not she like, didn't care oh no and she I mean she was so funny she um she was when she was happy she was so happy and I wish that she got to have that more but I don't want my memory and my remembrance of her to be sad because I wanted her to be happy. So yeah. that's, I feel like I should be happy and living life in a way that I think she would have loved. Absolutely. And I think too, you know, in general, I feel like you said when things like this happen, and I feel like this is another, just a great reason why you're, why it's so great that you're sharing your story is because if anybody else was in this position where if for any reason they felt maybe they were at fault, like you said, how you felt like you were at fault for it in a way that in that moment you make a decision you know what I mean within yourself to either be like okay like I have to accept that this is what happened and I need to rise up from it or like you said like in your mind you also had said and felt like you were going to take your own life and I feel like it's very easy I mean it's 50 50 you make one choice or the Mm -hmm. other so it's like I feel like you are a perfect example and a reminder to people of why to go the positive route you know and and do everything positive you can from such a traumatic sad situation you know like you said like having it be where you live your life and keeping keeping her in your heart and in your mind and living your life a most 
with her kind of like invisibly there by your side and and keeping those positive thoughts and I feel like too just and I know you already know this but just to remember the impact you had on her in such a positive way like you are the reason she had so many happy moments too and that that's easy to forget about very easy especially because like our minds naturally it, it wants to go to the negatives and it's easier to replay sad things and to like harbor on all these negative and sad thoughts but when you really remember like the fun times you guys had like and when the moments that she was happy and smiling and bold like you were if if you were there and you were present for them like you're part of the reason she felt yeah. that way and and i think there's in some ways those memories can they can make you sad but mm-hmm. i've chosen to let those happy memories like make me happy yeah. and and like the the joy i feel like remembering those things is part of what can get me through it sometimes you up. right yeah and i i like one of the things i wish that she could have had more of was like accepting and um mm-hmm celebrating who she was absolutely and like i everyone deserves that. i i just know i know she would have loved like drag mm-hmm. and like i i feel like if she had gone to a drag show she would have just like felt at home yeah so and like it's something that i love and mm-hmm. i i like feel of some of her joy right when i like participate in like you know going to pride or like celebrating queerness in general because that's so much of what she can do and I think it's so much of what held her back in life and I want other people to know that they can choose that for themselves yeah. um and whether it shows the importance of acceptance oh yeah because absolutely people were also even if you take the strongest person for example someone like her you would look at and be like she's strong and she's bold and she doesn't care but if you if people don't feel accepted, no matter for what reason it might be or what your beliefs are or aren't, like it can lead to horrible things and it can make people feel horrible ways. And no one should – I mean life is so short and so precious to ever feel sad because you can't be who you are. So I feel like even you coming on and sharing this shows people why it's so important to just let people live and be happy. And if you don't like it, just – get the fuck out yeah like you know what Mind i mean your like own yeah. business literally like it, it just it, acceptance is so important and respect and just to be kind kindness mm-hmm. and i see like i mean in in this part of the country and like mm-hmm. where i live like i don't necessarily feel like my rights are up for grabs by politicians but i think of like the kids who are living in florida or tennessee or nebraska or wherever and i'm just i'm i'm like i fear for them mm-hmm. that they're going through this too because i mean like it when this was happening to me i i felt like i would have enjoyed somebody who well not enjoyed i could have benefited from somebody who understood what i went through mm-hmm. not that i ever want somebody to go through that but i had no one to really understand what i was going right. through and like this is i don't i honestly don't really talk about this mm-hmm. very often um because they, like there's so much to unearth and like getting out what I what I want other people to understand from my experience can be really difficult. But over the years, I've I've grown to learn that sharing what you've been through is important because it can even if you even if there's somebody who isn't going through the same thing, if they can just take a little bit of what I've gone through and use that to make their life mm-hmm. a little better or to 
make better choices for themselves or for other people in their life, that is worth it to me. Absolutely. And I think that that's something that she would have wanted to. For sure. And I think it's so amazing you come, came on. And I, and I always say the same thing that you said, that even if somebody doesn't have the same story, there's always a piece of something that you say. Everybody that comes on, and, and it's so diverse, you know, the people that are on here. But everyone can always take a little piece of something. And, and like you were saying too, not that you would ever want somebody to ever experience something like this, but to have a platform where you can share this and potentially save someone's life or, or get somebody out of that really just like down sad rut that they might be in that that changes someone's life yeah you know and imagine if even like looking back yourself I know that obviously podcasts and stuff they weren't a thing back then like that but like if you had that where if you could just like sit there and listen to somebody sharing their experience and if it aligned really well with yours it would probably change your perspective and make you feel like well at least I'm not alone you know what I mean or if they could get through it I can get through because that's how we are like as humans we we want to feel heard and we want to feel understood and we want to get through things. I mean, nobody wants to just stay sad and stay down there and be bad, like, you know, feel just horrible. But yeah, so I think it's, I think it's incredible. I think you did amazing. And like I said, you already know this, but obviously you had such a strong impact on her and I can really tell by everything that you shared. I, I think that you made her so happy and you, I think something you should truly never forget is that there were so many people that might, maybe they didn't accept her, but you did. And mm-hmm. I think that that probably meant more to her than words could even describe, honestly, which is incredible. And that's something that you should feel so proud of as a person. Like, that's amazing. Like, you're you're such a good person. Thank you. Seriously. Then, and that means a lot because it's um, like when you live with all of these things in your head all the time, it can um, – I know I'm strong. Mm-hmm. I've, my, my name does – the name Bridget means strong. So, like, that's mm-hmm. something that I've lived with, with a long time. But um, when you hold – when you're holding so much up, that can feel really though your shoulders get tired yeah and you for you it's like we said you can forget so easily like all the positive stuff it's so easy to forget it and to and to lose that because of all the negatives that you can think of and that you can remember or just look at the whole situation just be like this was horrible and it is but there's always you can always turn something traumatic and, and horrible into something bright and positive and and really now it's like you're even years later, you're still making an impact. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're taking this experience and you're trying to shed a positive light from it and, and help others potentially too. Yeah. Not even potentially. I know that it will help others. And, and like doing that and doing things like this is like when I feel her with me the most yeah. too. So incredible. actively doing things that will um, bring me back to her mm-hmm. and help me like live and thrive despite all of this and thrive for her it i know it makes the both of us happy yeah and i think too like in a way this is a part of i don't want to say you're healing but it almost i think no it is yeah like i feel like it in a way it kind of for some reason like because i know how when you said that it, it kind of feels like at times you're still like that 17 year old like frozen in time but i feel like the more that you like the more time that goes on and the more you're able to open open up about it and and help others with it I feel like slowly that will kind that feeling will kind of fade like you'll always Mm -hmm. remember it and you'll always be able to like kind of go back to that place but I feel like it'll feel less like there's a part of you that was like that's stuck there it'll kind of feel like okay like I'm healing more and more you know each day and each year and each time I I open up about it or each time I know that I helped somebody you know and and 
kind of brought a positive light about her and towards her mm-hmm. and and the experience. And and honestly, as far as I just want to say this too, as far as the parents go, which I know you already know this because you're a good person, but all you can do is just forgive them. Yeah, like, you know, feel bad for them, feel forgive them, pray for them, and hope that they just like get their shit together. But yeah. like, and I, I don't, I don't yeah. want anyone to like no, be living in right. a place like right. that and all you can and it, and it sucks it really does but like when it comes to stuff like that Pete and this is just another thing for people to know it sometimes it's better because you have you can't control other people so just let it go forgive and let go and all you have control of is yourself yeah and how you react and handle the situation and yeah I mean I think you're incredible and I'm so happy you were able to come on and Thank wanted you. to come on to yes, tell your story absolutely. it's amazing and and also I'm so sorry for your loss Oh, obviously you. but you you're incredible and i'm so glad you're mm-hmm. able to come on yeah and, and so in so many ways i did lose a lot but i the thing is like i know she's always of here. course so i did like i gained like her love is with me forever absolutely absolutely you did amazing well, thank good you job. good job